0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Marquee on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. I'm your host Mike and joining me as always is the streaming demon, Jacob. Hello everybody. And we've got Hayden.
1: Hello darlings.
0: And making his return after months away, we've got Tyler.
2: Hello everybody.
0: So on today's episode we've got two films that couldn't be any more different. We've got Cruella, the hotly anticipated uh, prequel to 101 Dalmatians ish. And we have A Quiet Place Part Two, the sequel to John Krasinski's uh, 2018 horror film, A Quiet Place. So we begin with Cruella, um, directed by Craig Gillespie of iTanya fame and written by Dana Fox and Tony McNamara, with story credit to Aline Brosh McKenna, Kelly Marcel, and Steve Zesis. So the film is set in 1970s London amidst the punk rock revolution, uh, where a young grifter named Estella is determined to make a name for herself with her designs. She, pref- she befriends a pair of young thieves who appreciate her appetite for mischief, and together they are able to build a life for themselves on London streets. One day, Estella's flair for fashion catches the eye of the Baroness Von Hellman, a fashion legend who is devastatingly chic and terrifyingly hot. But their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the raucous, fashionable, and revenge-bent Cruella. Um, So before we get into the actual Review, I have I have a story, um, about my experience, my, I guess, theatrical non experience. By the way, thank God for the decision to release this day and day and date on, um, in theaters and on Disney Plus, or else I would not have been able to finish this movie, or at least by today. Um, so I got, I got to the theater. I I was all set, ready to go. Um about 25 to like like 25 to 30 minutes into the film the fire alarm goes off um, no nobody really does anything in my in my theater for like a good minute until one of the ushers comes out and and says like uh, and we're evacuating the building so everyone head outside so we're we're kind, we're all just stand standing around we have like we have no idea what's going on um, a fire truck stop, like, um, comes in, they take a look, they took, they take a look around and like, they, they have, they have no idea what set off the alarm. It was either like a glitch, like a glitch with one of the projectors. Um, what is it? The popcorn machine? Like, they don't know. They didn't give us a straight answer. So instead of letting us go in right away, um, they all gave us re like refunds or like a, like that, one movie free pass that you can cash in um for anything so i didn't want to i didn't want to like wait around for for hours and i was i i was busy with other with other things going on that day so i just went home and finished where i left off on disney plus and that's how that's how i ended up finishing this movie um, so what who wants to go first um your general thoughts Mm. Hey Hayden, Hayden, why don't we, why don't we start with you since since you seem like uh, one of the film's biggest uh, defenders.
1: Yeah, so I had a really good time with this. Um I really just think that it knows exactly what it is and what a lot of people wanted to see, which is a campy fun time that just takes full that just goes full throttle with its style and doesn't really care as much about um being taken too seriously i think there's like been a lot of discussion over the opening scene which i will not spoil (laughs) but i genuinely think that the writers were having the time of their life when coming up with that scene absolutely knowing um knowing uh um McNamara's work on like the favorite and the great it just yeah, seems I, would, like I, would, very... I was I was gonna point that out that um one of the one of the writers
0: was um uh like they did work on the favorite which Emma Stone also starred in so it's it's great it's great that um like there's already sort of a rapport with the actor and the writer that they get to play they get to play around with with the material in a very a very tongue-in-cheek fashion. Um, Jacob, do you want to go next? Your general thoughts?
3: It was fun. It's basically what Hayden said. Uh, there's not a whole lot of substance um to this movie. It doesn't really try to make a grand statement. The, there are hints of it trying to go deep, like Cruella trying to figure out if she's, you know, she comes to grips with, like, who she is, you know, she whether she's meant to be... Um, good or bad you know that it's kind of like what the hair splits um white or black but they try to make that represent um you know as far as these kind of deconstructionist um live action remakes are concerned it's it's good it's okay it's 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 fun you know it's certainly um it knows what people kind of go into an origin story on Cruella for, like, the really amazing costumes. Like, I think we can all agree that the costumes in the are stunning. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Jenny Beaven understood the assignment is what exactly. I will say.
3: Yes. And, you know, there's some 70s needle drops in here, and fun, over-the-top performances. Um, and it's... Yeah, it was overall it was um it was it's a good time, all right. And I really couldn't expect anything more than that, unrealistically.
0: Unreal um, yeah. So before I throw it over to Tyler, Tyler, um, I I had a really good time with this. Um, you know, not like um poor poor uh, theatrical uh, experience aside. When once I ended up finishing the film, I. I had a grand old time with it. Um I think in the pantheon of the modern Disney live action canon I I think this one sits comfortably in like a vague non-particular order top 5. So, you know, the the other ones in that top 5 would be like Pete's Dragon, Cinderella, um I I know not everyone agrees, but I I think more highly of the Maleficent films than, than other people. And, um, and just, and just like Maleficent, in fact, a little bit done, I think it's done a little bit better here, but um, when the, like the stuff I liked in Maleficent was every, everything where the story like trails as far away off the beaten path as possible. And i kind of i kind of like those similar elements done in this movie like i think the highlights are um the like the emma's bat like battling it out with their uh you know constant one-upping each other during all these uh fashion events i think um paul walter hauser and joel fry are great as um as horace and jasper so much so that I wouldn't mind seeing a Disney plus um, like sequel or spinoff with these characters, just, just go like going about their day, doing, doing crimes and just, and just being best friends.
3: Yeah. It'd make more sense than the uh, Disney plus series of Gaston and LeFou.
2: Don't even remind me. Yeah. I, I honestly, I forgot that was
0: even a thing. Yeah. Um, before 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 I go too too far into some of the other elements, Tyler, let's get let's get your uh, your general thoughts out there.
2: Okay, well, <clears throat> and no one's gonna be a big surprise here. I'm not the biggest fan of this movie, but I'll say it was more fun than some of the other Disney remakes. You already said remissent it it certainly reminded me of that in quite a few ways, although the tone was a lot more. Wishy washy. I'm not sure what it was trying to do at halftime, and I kind of loved it that way, you know.
0: Um, I do. I do have some some neg- negative, uh, a, like a few neg- negative uh, comments.
2: Oh, um, sorry, my microphone. I should die for a moment there. That was weird. Um, oh, no worries. Um, what I was, what I meant was like, okay, Maleficent is pretty darn serious about the. T- uh, t- pretty serious about that the whole way through with slight comedic bits with like the fairies this this is a roller coaster i there's like five screenwriters attached to this and i can definitely feel it being pulled in different directions some scenes very serious some a complete farce some scenes like the opening bit that i'm sure everyone's talking about i don't know what they're going for and i kind of love the mystery it reminds me of my mind evil dead 2 where i'm like is this funny is it scary i don't know
3: Well, i think it started off like um of uh, comedic and you know, a very darkly comedic, but then gradually becomes more and more serious as we find out more details about it.
2: Yeah, that's the one where I'm like, okay. The situation is not funny. The way the actors are playing, it's kind of funny. The CGI, I cannot tell. It's a complete mess and I kind of enjoy it for that. Because sudden it's just dour, just not fun. This is this is definitely fun and something I will never forget, just because of the artistic choices it makes.
1: I saw somebody saying that this movie is basically a pro. If Cruella Deville were to write a propaganda movie about like defending herself, then it might be something like this. Absolutely. And I feel when I if you look at it like that, it can kind of make it more fun for people. Just yes, it's it's basically this story from her perspective.
2: Yeah. Except from Lebson being like some sort of weird like alternate scenario, this is like you can kind of see it being a prequel to like the Glenn Close movie, but also it's slanted enough that it's like, what perspective are we going with here? Is it you say propaganda that she made? Kind of feels it like half the time.
0: Funny, funny enough, Glenn Close actually is credited as a, um an executive producer.
2: I saw that. That was very.
3: She unique. even has an idea for a third uh Hundred and One Dalmatians um live action movie like as a follow-up to those two that she did where Corella is hiding in the sewers of New York or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I I read about that earlier. Um yeah. actually... I actually I, I don't, I don't know if I want to see that it but I appreciate her um
1: her enthusiasm. I, um, I, what, I... Sorry. What has been talked about um that I've heard through a grapevine um like on Assorted news sites is that they're maybe thinking of doing like a Godfather part two type sequel where it goes, it goes between like Emma Stone and Glenn Close. And you know, I would be down. Except I, would, I would watch that.
3: The main difference though is um, it's obviously in a different continuity between those two movies for you know reasons that people who've seen the endings of this movie will know.
2: Yes. yes. Now, also, you had, you, sorry you um, had a story about how your experience was um, memorable I had the best experience at freaking work the day after I saw this movie because oh um okay I sat down and watched it I had no prior knowledge of that opening scene and I nearly fell out of my chair laughing so hard and then I was even more dead the next day because there was a YouTube video someone hooked up where they played that scene but it's playing the Baja men's song who let the dogs out <laughs> And for the whole I, day. I was
0: I was waiting for someone to to make that
3: edit.
2: Yes. By nine. the way.
3: Mm-hmm. By the way, apparently has everyone here seen 102 Dalmatian's by any chance? Sure. Okay, fun, funny enough.
0: That's the only that's the only Glenn Close movie I saw in theaters. I, okay. I don't think oh. I've ever see the thing is I don't think I've ever actually seen the first one or if I have it was like maybe um maybe like on TV or on HBO. but okay. but I I like remember distinctly seeing 102 Dalmatians in theaters
3: well um apparently they did want to open that with who let the dogs out um oh, but,
2: that would have been even okay but you know the, what? the only thing said, is that was they the couldn't, so much better
3: they couldn't do that because it was already scheduled to be in Rugrats in Paris the movie and so they instead went with with Diggity dog, diggity dog, diggity dog, diggity dog, boo. Um, yeah, 100. I actually have watched um all three prior ones. I've seen the animated one, um, again, it, it holds up really well. Like, yes,
2: it, yeah,
3: do you guys have any like fond memories of uh, that one in particular?
0: I, I rewatched um,
3: the animated movie a couple a couple nights ago, and I,
0: I said on on Twitter, like this this whole this holds up a lot better than like than most people would think um because not not only is like the cruella de vil song just like an absolute bop um you know the char- the characters are all endearing um Ro- roger a- roger might be the most underrated uh like male protagonist in a Dis- in like the classic era disney films yeah and then Horace and Jasper have like, you know, the best like comedic timing, and also Cruella just being,
3: being yeah, like, um, just an absolute mad woman. Is... Betty Lou Gerson, she she's phenomenal as that.
2: Yeah, um, that was I was trying to remember her name, Betty Lou Gerson. She was
3: stellar
2: in that yes. role.
3: Um... I, I don't, the movie has a very distinct look thanks to the Xerox process because that was their first uh, anime one after Sleeping Beauty, which was a huge bomb at the box office. And that was you know a very lavish, very handsomely made movie. And to cut costs on this, um, they did the Xerox process, which was their, they transferred the drawings directly onto the cell and you know that's kind of why you have that kind of sketchy look you know i i love the look of that you know it, Walt he was not a fan of that at all but you know it just has it just had so much character to the movie you
2: know yeah it feels like a like a new york like art piece at times yeah, it's very... it,
3: yeah it really does
0: yeah. now to bring now to bring this back to cruella um some something that that um that was always on my mind while watching this was um like do you do you think like 10 or 15 years ago Emma Thompson could have could have played like a more traditional live action
1: cruella eh, maybe she has the range I, I will put it that way i think i think she could i mean yeah. she's, she's Emma Thompson so you know like um i i, I don't know if you want to
0: get if we're going to get into heavy spoilers i mean um there's there's a particular reveal that, um, in hindsight feels pretty obvious, but on the other hand, it also kind of adds to the strength of casting both Emma Stone and Emma Thompson in these, in these particular roles. Um, which that that's, that's the thing about, about this movie as much, as much as I enjoyed watching it, like a lot of, a lot of the strengths also happen to be its weaknesses. Um, like for example, yeah, the sound the soundtrack for this movie is great, but it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. And what's what's missing, in my opinion, like if if you're going if you're going to set this like in um in like um, London in the nineteen seventies, I kind of wish they leaned a little a little bit more into like the punk aesthetic. If you, it feels it feels like they only it feels like it only comes up like. In that one scene, and some people are are even kind of reading it as Cruella invented punk. <laughs> when, but, um, I don't know. I, 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 wish. I wish like, I, I wish it was a little bit. It leaned a little bit more into that, and, and, and didn't just kind of like reduce it to a singular moment. And even, yeah. and, and even, even with like the soundtrack, the only like the only real punk needle drop is the clashes. Should I stay or should I go?
2: That should have been London calling and you know it.
0: Oh, I, 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 I'm 99% positive that they wanted to use that song. And someone, someone had to like restrain themselves being like, no, no, that's what everyone expects.
2: But, but, but when you play Nancy Sinatra on the Rolling Stones, they went with the most obvious pick.
1: Of course if i had any critique of the movie for me personally was that it maybe could have used a little more bite no pun intended
0: i i agree i agree with that and again um leaning into leaning into like the punk like the punk movement in the 70s would would have it, it would have given it that uh, that bite
3: that uh this movie really needed. But I mean, it probably there's only so much bite you can give it, it being a PG thirteen Disney movie. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's so how true. it handles
2: the glamorous London of the 70s. Mm.
3: Yeah, this probably um probably couldn't go with a Sid and Nancy approach.
2: No, Well it will certainly be interesting though.
3: Yeah. Um, um another 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 thing
0: that um you know much much like how I felt about maleficent well while i like well i like when this movie like tries to do its own thing it's um it's when they have it's when they have to shoehorn in elements from the original
3: yeah um, like uh, roger and anita
2: Mm, and don't don't get me wrong those or the car or it's it's hell hall now it's
3: like yeah i think
0: things like that like um like the prequelitis elements are yes the han
2: solo ish shove-in moments where it's like see this is how this happened
1: or like so, a... i will oh, say i feel that compared to a lot of other movies that it was le- it like they did it in a way that it wasn't quite as distracting as i've seen in other movies
2: well yeah, like, like the, some the of them handled, were just to handle the way like, the, dal- the way they handled the dalmatians that's either the best thing or the worst thing ever, depending on who you ask. Uh,
0: I, another I, thing. I, sorry. That's what that's that's what that's one of those um try not to think about
1: it
2: moments. I could not I will, stop thinking about it.
1: I am going to bring up another point in that um how this movie portrays Dalmatians might actually be a net positive, in my opinion, in that um, so when the original I believe when the first remake came out with Glenn Close and it might have also happened with the original animated, but don't. It did with the original one too. Yeah. So that so many people adopted Dalmatians that people were not equipped with how high maintenance they are (laughs) and they require Dalmatians are very difficult dogs, especially um, if they're your first dog. And as a result, unfortunately, many dogs, many Dalmatians were sent back to shelters and several were likely euthanized as a result of this, <sighs> which which is a really shitty thing to happen. But, and like framing Dalmatians the way the movie did might be better in a way considering you people really need to do better in terms of how they take care of, how they, which animals they choose. So, Mm -hmm. so, so when you say high maintenance, are they, um, they, they require a lot of exercise, a lot of constant attention. You, they are very difficult. Um, when you have guests over, they, they're, they require like a lot. Speaking
0: from personal experience, that kind of, that kind of sounds like my uncle's, um, uh, German shepherd who, um, you know, is very, well, German shepherds usually have a lot of anxiety, so they're not, they're not really great with people. Um, but they also, they also need like con- constant care. Um, and that, that's, that's, that's why like, that that's why he, um, like he, he doesn't really have company over that that often. And usually he keeps, he keeps the dog outside. Um, so yeah, it, it it's it sounds like Dal- dalmatians are about about on that level.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's about that. Like there are there are a lot of dogs that should not be a person's first pet, and dalmatians are one of those. And that was a problem as a result of the movies. I think what they did was maybe a bit of a happy medium.
2: Yeah, although I don't want them to be demonized like they're pit bulls or something.
0: Right. Um so i guess we do need to go into a little bit of spoilers um but also also a little psa for for film twitter um so something that that pj campbell and i were talking about earlier today it see, it seems like so many so many like so many bad faith arguments came out of like Every, everyone on Friday like sharing around that clip of, of the Dalmatians um, murdering um, Estella's mother, and what 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 frustrates me about about this is two things, one, you're taking you're taking a clip, a clip from the first ten minutes of the movie completely out of context and and casting, casting judgment based on like, like one minute of footage. Um, And the other, the other thing is, um, this, this is kind of like another example of, of people breaking, breaking the spoiler etiquette simply because, uh, simply because they feel that a movie is not good. And I don't, I don't think, I really don't think it's fair to, I don't, I don't think it's fair for films to have like, for spo- like for spoilers to have double standards,
3: like or maybe they just didn't think it's it's technically not a spoiler because it's in the first ten minutes, which it still is.
0: Yeah, like in 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 my opinion, a spoiler is anything is anything in the movie that um that is not in the marketing, like right. if, if it if it's seen in a trailer or. Like promotional images, that's fair game, no.
2: but uh, well, although some movies push the envelope a little too far.
0: Oh, sure, but that's, I mean, that's 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 debatable. But my point my point is, if if the if the studios are releasing this information, um, then it's it's fair game to discuss in a non in a non spoiler review. Fair enough. Mm. Um, now now the actual spoiler that I wanted to talk about. Does involve a reveal about um, about Cruella's true origin. Um, I, I I don't I don't want to actually give it away, but I do I do want to know your thoughts. Like, what what did what did you guys feel? Um, how did you guys feel about this reveal? Um, like, does it, does it does it kind of fall in line with um, a like a particular pattern? that Disney's been following lately. Yes. Um, or 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 does it work does it work just enough like within the context of the movie?
3: I think it works just enough in the context of the movie because again, as I mentioned before, she's kind of caught into this. Like she doesn't know if she wants to be sweet, like her I won't I won't go around it like because um yeah, like has her mother, or if she's gonna be as um, wicked as the Baroness, you know, she's kind of caught in between like these two different worlds because she like she kind of realizes that in the world of fashion, you kind of have to be biting, you kind of have to be like a a survivor. It's like eat or get eaten in that kind of environment. So, yeah, I think it does kind of work because she's kind of
1: torn in that um, where she wants to be. I think the theme of the ultimate theme of the movie or one of them rather is a lot of nature versus nurture yeah i can see that which i think does one ultimately tie into the movie and so then yeah and i'm going to also be honest on something when i went to see this movie i didn't really care about the plot i was not going for the plot i was going to this movie specifically (laughs) for Two morally dubious characters going at each other and being petty, and mm-hmm. also having a lot of great style throughout. That was that was my main goal. Story was just kind of, I'll go with it.
3: it was secondary. I'm, honestly, that's that's
0: pretty fair. But, yep. but 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 that but that being said, that does that does kind of make the reveal a little like a little bit. Um, like, a, a little bit of an annoyance because the film would have worked just fine, like, the film would have worked fine if it was just two, like, two women being, like, being petty towards each other just because that's the business.
2: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, but, sorry.
0: Um, But, to Jake's point, I do, I, I, I do see where, where they were coming from, like, you know, like, addressing the whole nature versus nurture thing mm-hmm. um so tyler what what were you gonna say
2: i was gonna say was yeah i don't think it had much but i kind of rolled my head and go okay this is something that's happening now much like a ryan murphy production going off the rails i'm like okay i'm in just keep all the weird stuff coming mm-hmm. pretty much <laughs>
0: yeah that's that. that's i i've noticed as a as like as i've gotten older um these these are the type of movies that um that i kind of gravitate towards like a, like a great movie is still a great movie but some of my favorite movies are the ones that are a little bit unhinged but they just they like they just kind of they just kind of roll with the punches they're 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 movies that emphasize vibe over over like coherence yeah
2: yeah i mean i can understand i mean heck the best gaming experience of my entire year so far has been a game that goes from scariest thing ever to crazy man punch or transformer explode so you know what i'm not gonna judge about tone going everywhere i don't care
3: i i think the best movie kind of compared this to is the devil wears prada uh
2: i was waiting for someone to bring that up yeah
3: yeah
1: it took a while but we finally got there
2: the devil wears dalmatians
1: yeah also, I oh, saw someone uh, comparing it to Death Becomes Her, and as someone who adores that movie, I, I yes, a
2: little bit. I can see
1: it.
3: Think a comparison to Joker. Do you guys think that's accurate?
2: Uh, uh, no, not particularly. Eh. Only,
0: only tangentially. I will say though, yeah. there there is there is one there's one like distinct, um, very distinct similarity. Um, granted, it's it's a different ver it's a different version of the song, but they both. Oh
3: yeah, I, I know we talk about smile. Yep.
2: Sending um, the clouds would have been more effective in this movie, frankly.
1: Another um, Batman comparison I want to make is um, is just something that I thought of is the Penguin's origin story in Batman Returns. Yeah. yeah. Because when I you say it, it, because when you say it out loud, it sounds just as insane. It's just a man is so um, reviled and hated by his parents that they send him into the sewers where he is raised by penguins. Like that sounds insane when you say it out loud in a similar way to what I think kind of
2: happens in this. Yeah. It's also a movie that doesn't care what you think of it either.
1: Yep. Um,
3: uh, doing you, do you now is a good time for Hayden to, uh, discuss that little uh, story of his, some facts about the sequel the book. Um, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm very curious to hear, um, about the se- the sequel to Dodie Smith's original novel, The 101 Dalmatians.
1: Okay, prepare yourselves.
2: <laughs>
1: so this book um, has a plot that as some kids will say, is pretty buck wild. It is called The Starlight Barking. It is a sequel to the original novel The 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith. And as such, it shares the same author. So I am reading this from a cracked article entitled, Five Little-Known Sequels That Ruined Iconic Stories. Okay, so. Smith's sequel picks up where the first book left off with the titular 101 Dalmatians now grown and living on their Dalmatian plantation. And then things get weird. They wake up one morning to discover that every non-dog on earth has fallen asleep. This includes their former nemesis, Cruella Deville, who is featured in only a tiny cameo. Reasonably weirded out, the dogs also realize that they are telepathic and no longer need to eat. What? Also, <laughs> also, they can fly. Everybody what? can fly what? now. What? <laughs> and they can open doors with their minds because why not? The main character is Cadpig, one of Pongo and uh, Mrs. Pongo's children, because Perdita is actually not with Pongo in the novel. Anyway, who has, and Cadpig has moved, the dog uh, Cadpig has moved up in the world and has become the English Prime Minister's mascot. And since the Prime Minister is indisposed, um, the dog Cadpig becomes Prime Minister herself and forms an entire cabinet of dogs. <laughs> okay. All That's the, the do- hell is that... all the dogs of earth are then called to Trafalgar Square where they are greeted by Sirius, a dog space alien from Sirius the dog star with a grave warning. It turns out Sirius is behind the sleepy earthlings the flying and the telekinesis. He is concerned about the possibility of nuclear war on earth and extends an invitation for all the dogs to join him in space. They eventually say no, because even the dogs know that's a whack idea for a book. Um, Here's something something I read from
0: Wikipedia. Um, Although the 101 Dalmatians has been adapted into two films, so the 61 animated film and the 96 live action, and each version has a sequel film, 101 Dalmatians 2, Patches London Adventure, and 102 Dalmatians, neither sequel film has any connection to The Starlight Barking. Disney archivist uh, Dave Smith said he was unaware of any considerations for adapting the novel, although Walt Disney was interested in doing another project based on Smith's further writings. I can't um,
2: imagine why.
0: I I, did, I just find that hilarious that that like nobody at Disney even considered um, adapting the the Starlight Barking. Because I'm 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 thinking about how this would have been portrayed like in animation. Like especially especially during like e- either during the Walt era or or like the post the post Walt dark ages. And boy, this would've this would have been something.
3: Um, Keep in mind, um, Disney um, did a sequel to The Brave Little Toaster, The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars, which is actually based on the book by the same author. So what's their excuse for not adapting this one?
2: Uh, Prestige? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably.
3: I was like, wow, that premise sounds as crazy as Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. And I remember... Then actually be based on this on a book by the same author as the first one, um, uh, the writer, um, Thomas M. Dish. So, I I basically I just I just looked that up and wow, so, yeah, double standard much.
2: And I thought Gump and Company was the weirdest sequel to a popular movie turned book. Yeah. Turned movie. Oh, wow. Okay then I'm. Yeah, that's a. Wow. That's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, so if you're laughing about Dalmatians killing a woman, just remember we could have had dogs in like almost going to space. Just, just keep it in mind when you're when you're watching Cruella.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh. See, this is this is why this is why context is important, but also, um, but also know, knowing, knowing like fun facts like this.
2: This is an actual fun fact.
0: Yes. Um, so before we move on from Dalmatians, any any other final thoughts on uh Cruella?
2: Um I the same they had Emily Beacham in here for only like 5 minutes cuz I'm a really a big fan of her.
0: Yeah, that that is a shame. Um a, lo- a lot a lot of a lot of the like supporting players who aren't like like part of the main ensemble, I did feel I were a little bit wasted
2: yes and also I'm, I'm not a fashionista some of those outfits looked good some of them looked absolutely i don't even like the one that everyone screenshots where it's like her painting the future over her face i okay i <laughs> i don't even know what they're going for on that one but the one where she like the dress burns up into something else that looks nice so it's like
0: i i, I think that like that sequence is, is
3: one of my favorites. Just just the way the way they pull that off is it's
2: little... very catching fire is
3: that, that is real, right? That's not CGI. I
2: uh, don't
3: know. Yeah, hard hard to say. If 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 that was real though, like how how the hell did they do that without burning Emma Stone to a crisp?
2: They
1: have like some fire retardant like things that might be able to, but I don't know.
2: Uh I, actually, I, are we talked about her performance at all?
0: Um Emma Stone's yeah. performance. Um I think she's we I think the, we I think
3: we touched on it briefly, but um She's like, one of the best actresses working right now, and this is a good example as to why. Oh She rolls
2: with it better than I think any other of these Disney's remake acts. She rolls with it better than Emma Watson did with Beauty and the Beast, I'll say that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no. Um you know to 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 quote twitter she understands the assignment
2: i think she did too i think she understood some of the actors i don't know if they knew they were in on the joke she seems to be in on on the joke it's
0: it's it's her thompson um joel fry and paul walterhausen basically basically
3: like the core cast they all, yeah. they all knew exactly what movie they were in. Yeah, Paul no, then, House, it's, it's especially impressive that he can pull off a British accent so well after doing such a perfect um, southern one in Richard Jewell. So this guy, he's talented, man.
2: Yes, I will say that, yes. Also, uh,
1: I will uh, give uh, credit to uh, John McCray, um as an RD. I think he understood the assignment how about mark strong yes he did he um, won-
0: mark strong honestly honestly this this like this performance and this character is really not that different from any other like run of the mill mark strong performance
3: um
0: and i say that as a fan um this this is just one of those roles where like i i, I don't want to say that he's phoning it in it's just there's like there's nothing that particularly stands out about that performance.
2: Yeah. But not, yeah, not to I rag on, was
3: Mark Strong. Yeah,
2: yeah, not to rag on anyone, but like the person who I think understood what she was in the least was actually probably Emily Beecham, which is why that scene's funny to me, because her reaction does not match at all with the freaking like scene before it looks like it's setting up. <laughs> it's
0: it's it's un, it's unfortunate, but um uh, but oh well. <laughs>
2: Oh, well, it's to my enjoyment, because that's what causes the weird tonal, like, what are you going with? Because that, she is not with the laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> uh,
0: and anything else before we move on to something completely
3: different? It's um, a fun movie. Check it out.
2: I don't know where to rank it. I don't even know how to score it, because I'm like, in many ways, this is a complete mess, and I should hate it. But I'm also, I like 101 Dalmatians, but it's not my favorite Disney movie. I will already profess that. So it's not like I'm like, how dare you ruin this movie? So ah, middle of the road, five, six out of 10. I will say it's funny if you watch the original 101 Dalmatians and you talk about how her character is portrayed compared to the original, where the most memorable line is Betty Lou Jensen saying, shoot them, stab them, bash them in the head. I don't care how you kill them. Just do it.
0: <laughs> that that is, that is a very... A very iconic, uh, a very I- iconic line, and, and a very iconic delivery.
2: Exactly.
3: Second to, oh blast this ratchet, ratchet pen!
2: <laughs> yes. Point is, if you watch that performance and then watch this, oh, there will be no matchup whatsoever. So just, just maybe try not to think about it as a prequel, just as a movie on its own. Yeah, I think, I
0: think more like a, um, like an El- like an Elseworld comic.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Just
3: that. Like a what if type of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Like what if she was actually sympathetic and not a psychotic puppy killer?
2: Hey, maybe this is a prequel to that weird cartoon series where she's like a neighbor to Roger and Anita.
3: Oh, yeah. I remember I, this. I remember, I remember that.
0: Um, I, uh-huh. I used to watch like episodes of that um, like way back when it was on uh, Disney Channel and Toon Disney. Is
2: that on Disney Plus? I I am checked. I'm pretty, sure, think, no, I'm pretty no, sure. No, all,
0: I'm pretty sure all all
3: of them are. No, I don't think. I I have checked. It's not on there.
1: Hmm. If I recall correctly, I don't believe Aladdin and Hercules, uh, the series is. No, they are not. I Plus. So
3: that's kind Which of bizarre because Aladdin the show kind of has a call following, doesn't it?
1: Hercules, the... sorry, Hercules is. Aladdin is not my bad.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I thought. All right, uh, I think I think it's time now to to transition to a quiet place, part two. Um, so as I mentioned before, this is a pretty direct follow up to a quiet place. Um, you know, aside aside from um, like a like a cold open that takes place the like. On the first day of this unnamed alien invasion, um, the film follows the deadly events at home, where the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk behind beyond the, sh- the sand path. Um, so, a little fun fact about this about this movie. Um, a lot of it was filmed um in upstate New York, on a soundstage in Buffalo, and you know, um a lot a lot of other places like Erie County, um North uh, Tonawanda, and Barcelona Harbor. So, and and the first like the first scene, I believe, I believe that it, it was like it was shot in Little Falls too. So, there there there's a there's a little bit of A little bit of New York bias for me that went that kind of played into how much I enjoyed this film, and I I'm not gonna lie I I really like this film it's one of my favorites of the year, and I think I like it just as much if not a little bit more than the first one. Um, Jacob, you you had a very unique experience um, with this movie. Why don't Why don't you uh, dive into that?
3: Well, when the first uh when I first saw it back in Friday, I actually didn't like it initially. Um I didn't like it because um the first one, the first quiet place movie to me that is just um a masterclass example of a family-oriented drama that just happens to be a genre film. It's, or it's so tightly written the script there's very little fat in it you know it's it's such a lean straightforward no bullshit horror movie that's also it's weighted by a lot of family drama you know it's very compelling um it's very convincing performances all around um and i think the main reason i wasn't crazy about the sequel initially was because I thought the first one wrapped up pretty well, at least for me. Like, I didn't feel like I needed to be with the Avid family again, because it was implied at in fir- the first movie that they just kill the remaining two um monsters after they killed one of them, after they found out a way um, how to do so. And, you know, I just kind of felt like, you know, like, it was, like, in this one... They interact with a lot more people than they used to. And I thought they kind of took away from the family dynamic. Um, But I rewatched it again today um, to prepare for this. And yeah, I do. My opinion of it has improved quite a bit, actually. I do think it's a very natural continuation. You know, it, it knows how to keep things relatively simple. You know, it's still... Very much focused on this family, um, yeah. So I think it's a lot better than I thought it was in the first time. That's
0: that's that's good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that you that you took the time to to, you
3: know, to re- yeah. to
0: reassess your thoughts.
3: Yeah, the thing what sucks is my Letterboxd review of it. Um, I gave it two stars initially, and I hate that. It's already gotten four likes on it and I, I don't plan to delete it or anything. I just, I just kind of wish that that wasn't my most popular one so far.
0: Ooh,
3: ouch. Yeah.
1: Um, Hayden, your, your general thoughts. So something that struck me about this movie was I thought it was a really good unintentional allegory for how we are dealing with quote the new normal in um, the pandemic world Um, because i think the general plot of the film is about evolving and adjusting your life um, according to what is going on this is something that um, we are we are learning um however slowly um, depending on some people to cope with and equip ourselves with um to handle and and that was just something like that i was thinking about the entire time how it came out it was filmed like before all of this covid um stuff happened and but it really was resonant to me in that way but and it's And what I really enjoyed was how it is, I think the focus of this film is really on the two kids learning to grow up and adjust to the world around them and mature um, and follow in their parents' footsteps, which I really, really enjoyed. And I thought the scenes handled suspense very well. Um, There were some scenes where I was cringing and terrified um watching and i thought it did a very good job at that i have some minor gripes but overall very very well done film in my opinion
0: you know the the, the irony of uh of your interpretation of of the film is that a quiet place 2
1: was one of the first films to be delayed yeah. because I
2: was gonna say, COVID. it was like one of the first casualties yeah. and
1: I, for the record, I was so sick of seeing the trailer <laughs> when, back in March of 2020. I saw that trailer in front of every movie. Same. And, oh, and I basically said to myself, I am so tired of this tra- trailer. I wish that movie would just come out already so I wouldn't have to see it anymore. And then COVID happened and then I didn't end up seeing that trailer for a year, which honestly yeah, is probably a good thing. Yeah, you this know, is like, like the
3: biggest wide release Um theatrical only um, movie um at least since like tenet I think. Yeah Although It's, it's more, it's than more so than tenet because that that was released in like two thousand theaters and this is like I don't know thirty seven hundred I think. And and didn't it and didn't it
0: rake in like fifty like yeah it was a big hit. Million.
3: Yeah. Which, you it's... know people feel safer now. You know most like half of America is vaccinated
1: and you know. it... I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it is already the number two um, film for the domestic box office of 2021.
2: I do think it's Godzilla still number one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But opening weekend already, it's number two. So, yeah. So, Tyler, what do you think of it?
2: Oh, I liked it, actually. I don't know if I liked it more than the first one because it's less... Unique compared to the first one because it is basically a continuation of the first one with just I wouldn't say i'm chain a, a rise in dramatic states just more just a can it's more of that story as you like from the first one which I think it works well enough um definitely really sets itself up, up for more movies which I'm I'm sure that'll happen it's making enough money um oh, they're making
3: it, a spinoff movie
2: yeah oh, it's
0: it's it's not it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when
2: yeah also but well, I will say this. I am a really big Zillion Murphy fan, so to see him in this was great. Oh, oh yeah, uh,
3: that's kind of a gripe with it. I, I initially I had because I I did kind of wish that he was the focus of it.
2: I kind of wish too, actually. and I mentioned it, because
3: mm. I do hope that the spinoff film we do get to see like another side of this world. You know, maybe tell a completely fresh and original perspective. Um,
0: uh, honestly. Like- the one the one who I wanna see um the focus of on a spin-off is um Jaiman Hansu's character who Ooh, yeah. who's who's not named. He's just he's just referred to in on the credits as man, man on island. Mm. Which is
2: funny because the, the last I can remind you of Cillian Murphy actually, because his credit in Dunkirk was just simply the shivering man.
0: Mm. But yes, I do I do agree. Kill, um, Cillian um Murphy is great in this movie, but really the star is Millicent Simmons, who yeah, is yeah. who is yes. excellent as the I'm I'm I'll call I'll call her uh, Ripley Jr. Basically because, because she is she is definitely she is definitely falling falling in that in, in that
3: um archetype. Yep. Um the most obvious thing we have to point about is that she actually is deaf. Oh yeah. Which John Krasinski actually has said that he went out of his way to cast an actual deaf um, goes like, One little detail I do like about her performance is while she's doing the sign language, she does kind of quietly say out loud um, what she's doing Like I think we sometimes, we too often forget that deaf people can talk
2: you know, they, Yeah, they can yeah. I am
3: glad that we do get to hear her voice in this one, it kind of goes you know, that it is a step forward in her character development.
2: Yeah. I, I, if we are going to do it the third, sorry, when they do the third one, I, I wouldn't mind if more uh, deaf actors are showing up like uh, Russell Harvard from Fargo. That'd be all cool if he showed up. Somehow get Marley Matlin. I was going to say Marley Matlin too. It's like, sure, like a deaf are, The girl characters. from
3: Godzilla vs. Kong? Why
1: not? And I, I, it would make sense why. um, I'm just saying this as an aside. It would make sense why that family did um, do as well as they did because they had the experience of talking, talking um, like nonverbally. That makes a lot of sense as to why they, as a family, would probably survive. They have experience. Yeah. So
3: Um, also uh, Noah Jup as the son, like. The, from when he gets his foot caught in the bear trap, uh, that 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 scene, yeah. I had I had to look away like a few times.
0: Um, he sells
3: it. He absolutely sells the pain. The sheer pain that's going. Though there is this one little detail that is a little hard to accept that this is a sequel to the first one, and that is in the first movie his voice hadn't cracked yet. The parts oh, where he does talk, And this is supposed to take place the day after pickup, and not even just that. Even in the prologue, his voice has clearly cracked, and that's supposed to take place before the first one, like a year before. I yeah.
0: I think the exactly. I think the so, only the only reason I kind of suspend my disbelief is, um, is just because that that scene doesn't last too long. It's it's really just there to to um, kind of set up It it's there to set up the world a little bit more and to establish that Cillian Murphy's character um, was like a friend of of, uh, of Lee. Yeah,
3: that took um, me a while to to realize that. Um, it I didn't realize it until they were at the docks when he tells uh Millicent Simmons to dive, and so I was like, oh wow, that's the same guy. Yeah. Because hmm. he was a little hard to recognize with the beard, wouldn't you say?
1: A, a little a little bit. Did he didn't have a beard in the prologue, did he? Nope. Nope. Okay. I mean, he does have those amazing eyes, so you yes, can miss say. those.
2: His great Irish eyes and hair. You can't miss it.
3: Nope. Um yeah. Honest, I I'm not proud to admit this, but I was um a little too sensitive to um, noises the audience was making and like ever since movies have opened I've been kind of on edge you know being with other people just because my last movie experience before lockdown was so bad you know there was this old guy coughing throughout almost the whole thing and that did kind of like I did that you know that did kind of like tanks the theatrical experience for me and I know I'm not the only one who's that like when I heard testimony of other people who've had some really bad theater experiences, you know, that kind of tainted, you know, going like theatrical only movies for me. You know, it even kind of it tainted my, my experience like Wonder Woman eighty four, even though I personally loved that movie. And I do kind of feel like it is something I'm working on, which is trying to tolerate other people in movies, movie theaters. You know, like that, that, I maybe, maybe that clouded my judgment with this one. I don't know, but it's, it, it's a,
0: it's a, it's a fair question to ask.
3: Um, because,
0: um, as, as you, as you attested to, as, like the second time you saw this movie, you did have a, a more positive experience. Uh, the first time,
3: yeah. the first one wasn't even that bad. That's the thing. Like it was, I, I was I just, I just become so sensitive at that point that, yeah, that even just a guy coffee like five times in a movie that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way and yeah I do Fair kind enough. of regret having that much of a sour mood um before <clears throat> may, or maybe I do I don't think it completely changed the way I look at it because you know maybe I just didn't want like maybe because I had such high expectations for this one maybe uh, because I I still absolutely adore the first one. I still don't think it's quite as good as the first one personally, but
2: yeah,
3: but it it is better. It I will say the second one it is a much better um movie than I remembered it, and for reasons we'll go even further into.
2: Yeah, well, well so horror films I think are the most interesting to watch with an audience because either they can improve the experience or really take it away. And a movie like a quiet place, especially the first one, that one you really need a quiet audience because you know. Not yeah. much dialogue, this is gonna probably drive right. you insane.
1: Something, um, that might make you feel better is that if this were the world of a quiet place, all of these people would be dead. Yeah, I'm yeah.
3: Saying, I, yep. I kind of turned into the uh, the quiet place monster when I was in that cedar. Well,
2: don't and worry, like if can... that, like, when I
3: hear like a cell phone go off, I go, ah, well,
2: to be fair, to be be fair to, yeah, all these people would be dead because in the first year, people would be going, like. I don't think this is true. I can make as much noise as I want. And then they just get murdered by a monster. Yeah. judging by <laughs> the reality we live in.
3: That's a way to bring up 3D movies back. Like actually have a guy in an alien costume just attack them.
2: No. <laughs> 50s like horror moment where it's like the tingler. Oh no, your chair is buzzing. It's coming to get you.
1: Yeah. Uh, For me, I, I think that this movie is this as a sequel is has aspects that I like more than the first, but also aspects that I like a little less than the first, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a, for me, it's kind of a give and take.
2: It's not as unique, but also I might like Tillian Murphy more than John Krasinski. So, you know, take and choose.
1: Also, um, um, I will say that there is one minor, minor gripe that I have with both of the movies, but it's kind of too late at this point to go back, is ideally... I don't think that maybe they should have a score and that the movie would be more effective if it were just silent well, like altogether but maybe that 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 would that would be a nice a nice touch um, on the one
0: I hand mean, the, on the other on the other hand I do love um uh, Beltrami's
1: score. Oh no, both, it's a great both score. Films. Great is, scores.
3: <clears throat> I think the score though I, it's supposed to reflect the mental state of the characters, you know, it's not well, scores aren't really supposed to be objective, you know, they're supposed to kind of, I I get, yeah, it's just that I think when there are clearly parts in here that are supposed to be scarier than other parts, Um, so, you know, it does kind of show their kind of state of mind when, you know, a a monster is near or whatever, so.
2: You know, there are interesting examples of how a score can, you know, decrease or increase the validity of a scene, like, there's edits of, like, the ending of E.T. with the music cut off, and it <laughs> yeah, does not emotionally it. work at all. But <laughs> then there's scenes where the music is intentionally not there, and it works. Like, uh, David Fincher's Zodiac, the scene where on the, the beach, that scene has no music whatsoever, and it's so much more creepy because of that fact.
3: Uh, um, like, there are um, two particular movies that had no score, I think, really. The Birds didn't have a score that worked. No. Uh, neither did um No Country for Old Men.
2: That's tr- I, It's funny you mentioned that because you, you think it has a score, but it really doesn't. No, you're right. And also,
1: Mother, that didn't have a score. I f- I, for- I forgot about about that
0: like that aspect.
3: Have you seen that movie, Mother?
0: Yeah, um, I
2: remember it. Yeah, I
0: I I-, I-, I saw it um, just once in theaters, but that was a
3: crazy movie.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was a very very unique
3: experience. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few horror movies that genuinely scares me um uh, but uh but back to quiet place part two um you guys didn't think that this movie was a rehash of the first one in any way because i kind of thought it did when when i initially saw it
2: to the extent as sequel can be
0: yeah I, I i didn't think it was really so much um like a um a rehash so like more more so it was um I don't know. It 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 did feel more like a like a okay. So the first like the first movie ends. That's like chapter one, and this is just yeah. like the next chapter. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it it does is... it does a lot of a lot of like um, it it does a lot of like the same moves that like a movie like Back to the Future Part Two or Matrix Reloaded or. Other other like sequels to a first movie, like a first movie that was originally meant to be standalone. And even in even in interviews, John Krasinski has admitted, I like I don't want to I don't want to write a, I don't want to make a sequel to this. Like at first, he was just going to write a uh, just write a treatment for, you know, some other writer or director to take over. But then as he was writing it, he's like, oh okay, nope, I'm directing this. And that's how we got what we got.
2: Well, what I will mention before going back to the score issue, um, I don't know, they could handle it like, uh, you remember how when Logan came out, there were like two versions on the DVD, one that was in black and white, one that wasn't? Oh yeah. Can they just, can, can they just handle yeah. it like that? Or it's like, here's the non-score version on the DVD if you want that.
1: Yeah, that, that's kind of what I think I was getting at more or less. It It would be interesting to see.
3: Yeah um there were scenes there in this movie that were kind of echoes like when emily blunt when she um goes on the sand trail um to uh get some medicine um for that for uh, noah jube's foot i think and like or like oxygen tanks for her new baby um and she, she goes by on the grave side of her son the young son who died and the first one and she puts her own wedding ring on it, like to show like as it c- commemorate John Krasinski's character. Um that kind of felt like at first, again, I need to stress that, at first it felt like a rehash of um that one part where Millicent Simmons goes to his grave. Um but no, I just I, I just felt like that was necessary kind of the show that I mean it's still a big loss in the family, you know, it's still yeah, you, ha- you have you to there's still, she's
0: still... That, um like this 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 movie takes place like li- like literally exactly after.
2: Yeah, like uh yeah. sorry, uh, dad just got horribly torn apart like 12 hours ago. Also,
1: yeah. this is another thing I noticed um and it's just something that came to my mind is did any black person like survive this movie? <laughs> no. Oh shit! You're right mm, because yeah, I, like that was drop. like the one thing that I'm just like, um, hmm, that's like the one thing, and it's and like I did I op- I didn't let it affect my opinion of the movie overall, but it was just something that I noticed.
0: I did too. I I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like until you brought it
1: up, it it it
0: did not even enter my mind at all. But it like now that you mention it, it is. It is, like, a question. And, yeah, and it's, how, like, it's,
2: it's like when someone says that there's not many black people in Tim Burton movies. You sit there a minute, and we're like, huh, oh, again, I guess. Oh. Hmm. And also,
3: um, even the prologue, when they're hiding in that restaurant, and it's that a uh, black couple, like, I think it was brother and sister, they were calling their mom, and then um, their cell phone goes on. It's, like, her calling them. I think that's what attracts the monster to that restaurant, starts attacking everybody
1: yeah, yeah Luckily, see, that's, that's that's another example I, and like that at that first one i was kind of at the moment where i was i was kind of like thinking okay you know we don't see who actually died first in that um area and then the black cop died and i was like okay um <laughs> I, I guess that was um yeah. never mind
3: <laughs> what it kind of makes that tragic is that he kind of brought his death upon us with the gunshot you know he's just you know, like an instinct and you see a big fucking monster, you just have to shoot at it, but then and that was what attracted it to it. That's another cool thing about these monsters is that they're not really trying to kill anybody, like they're just like they're just so sensitive to noise um, that they just attack any source of it that they could find, so there is some sympathy you have towards them,
2: maybe. In the same way that if you hate your loud neighbor and just want to freaking burn their house down, yeah. But that but that
0: but that makes their that makes their weakness so interesting. Like um yeah. like their weakness is like the the high the high frequency feedback.
3: hmm yeah, uh, that's caused by Millicent Simmons' hearing aid, which you know, she learns picks it up from the first movie. She puts it to an, a microphone and then it goes to no, she, she puts it next to like the amplifier and you know that's what causes them to like bug out and yeah, it paralyzes them.
0: And I think I think that's that's the thing I like about this movie a little bit more is that now 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 that she's realized that that's her weakness, it gives it gives her more agency, in, um, it it gives her more agency to you know to chart a course for.
3: Um, she she kind of becomes the savior of this world. Exactly,
2: deaf woman saves the world. More than ten. Yeah.
3: Oh so about um killian murphy's character like it's doesn't he say like that a monster like his his wife was killed because she was in excruciating pain and one point it became so unbearable that she started screaming
2: uh i don't i don't remember specific i think cause they because across the body later on
3: yeah it's I was, I was. They were, they were so quiet in that, um, and that safe, um, that it was a little hard to decipher what they exactly they were trying to say.
0: Um, I, like, for for a lot for a lot of those quieter dialogue moments, I'm I'm sure one of the benefits of watching this on at like on home video subtitles yes. subtitles.
2: How yeah. I well, this movie.
3: movie comes out on Paramount Plus in forty five days. Um. Oh, good. Um, that's kind of like, the, that's like their new policy now um, that they've made with um, movie theaters.
0: Um, and, how, and how do you guys feel about that? The, like, the ever-shrinking uh, theatrical window?
2: I'm it's, fine with it, frankly.
3: I mean, it's kind of a reflection of our times that people are less inclined. I think the, the people who really want to see this movie will be probably do it within those 45 days, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, no, um, hell, I'd say, I'd say, like, um, the the majority of people who want to see this movie will have done so within
3: like the first couple weeks, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's also it benefits Paramount because you know, if it's on their streaming service, they basically benefit the most from it, where as, as opposed to movie theaters, which take up a Big percentage of their intakes um, theaters that they, they do that while the studio takes, I think, 30% of box office revenue. Something like uh, that. I, I, think, I think it might be a, a little bit more than that. No. I don't know. Well, it, it benefits them because of the new subscribers that Paramount Plus would gain you know, when, of when course. it comes out.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so. Anyway, did, did Killian Murphy was he would you say he was a complex character in any way?
2: Somewhat.
0: Yeah, to to some extent.
3: Like it, that he is, he was a kind of a character who lost all hope and you know trying to survive that and uh he he pulls it off masterfully, I think. Um a uh, one standout scene was when she, when he and Mills and Simmons are in the do, are the docks and they're, you know, those basically those parasites, those, um, what are they called? They're like, um, ferals who, um, scavenging them, basically, you know. And, I,
0: I I just call those, uh, the red eyes.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, and, and they, um, I don't think, tr- yeah, there was that little girl who kind of tricks him into approaching her and then does like he kind of, she kind of stabs him a little bit and like, And they put like this harness with bells on it on top of him. So, and they're searching like Millicent Simmons up to like, to see what she has. And that was, that was a good scene. I think it kind of showed, um, what desperate people were willing to do in that, um, environment.
0: Um,
3: for, for better or worse,
0: that like, there were, there were certain elements of, of that, that kind of remind me of the walking dead um a little or, bit yeah particularly like, like the like the middle seasons where they start they started to introduce like the concept of like it's not it's not just the monster like the zombies who are who are like the enemy it's it's also you know hum- humans going against each other for whether they're fighting over resources or just or just kind of fight like fighting to you know like fight, like just fighting because they're all anxious about the situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, although it doesn't go too far, which is probably for the best because you don't want to emulate The Walking Dead too much.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that's what I ultimately like. Ultimately, liked about this movie is that, um, you know the like the main threat was still the aliens. Um, so like they didn't they didn't spend too much time, um, you know fighting each other, which is. Which is what I was I was fearing like um when when I first saw like the like the initial trailers.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not an action movie. It that it, it it's not, don't worry.
3: I, I, I liked the editing in this movie a lot. I really did. I, I kinda like the the clever ways it transitions from um Noah Jupe and Emily Blunt hiding in this kind of, I think it was like a train junction that they were hiding in or uh, it was like this kind of big, um, warehouse sort of thing. Like, like it was like, an, oh, it was a banded steel foundry. Yeah. It was a band of steel. It cuts to Emily, um, Emily Blunt, Noah Jupe, and the new baby there. And then it cuts to Clean Murphy and Millicent Simmons in another area. And they transition, um, um, they will to get like like when um uh Emily Blunt she shoots the oxygen tank next to this um monster um that was attacking her son and it causes a fire and it cuts to a fire being um on the docks you no know, i thought that was neat
0: yeah the ed- the editing and the sound design pretty much throughout the whole film was was just excellent um I, I think I think that's one of the things I I really liked about having a a deaf protagonist is that um is that you really get to play around with, with sound.
3: Yeah. It, they they even did in the first one too. Um you know, it, it had they had parts like um like John Krasinski and Emily Blunt listening to that song, um and they're like on that ear those little earbuds and it kind of makes uh, sound you know um, harder to take for granted you know when they, when they actually are allowed to talk that makes the scenes so much more personal and more you know there's something that you value more than if it was just a regular talking movie
0: yeah I, I think bet- between like between this franchise and sound of metal I'm I'm really gaining like a, a deeper appreciation for the art of sound design in film
2: yeah although this is not as good as *Sound of metal of course
0: oh of
2: course although i must mention this one thing on sound because um there was a song that was played in this movie that really kind of took me by surprise and beyond the sea yeah that's they the the song attracts everyone to the island is beyond the sea by jack lawrence and why that's amusing to me and I'm sure this is a complete coincidence, is that Beyond the Sea is taken from the French song Lamar, which famously was covered by Django Reinhardt. You know what video game famously features Lamar being played to draw you into a location? The first Bioshock.
0: Uh, oh, wow. That is is yeah. that that is quite the connection.
2: Yes, that's literally the first song it plays as it beckons you towards the rapture is Django Reinhardt's... Doo, it's like... Huh. I'm I'm sure it's a complete accident, but coincidence, but it just made me think of, huh? Can't think of many movies that do this.
0: Yeah, of, all, of of all of all the songs to use, well, 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 it is a touch on the nose. It's 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 still pretty pretty brilliant.
3: Yeah. Well, they would the people in this movie they would choose an on the nose song.
2: Yeah, it it it, it makes sense.
3: Yeah. 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 Is there any other details that um, jumped at? The... Oh, here's one. Um, I liked how they kind of reveal the names of these characters. Uh, when they're really like, it, it turns out John Krasinski's character is named Lee. Um, we find out in the prologue, and and then later when she's talking with Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy, um, like she tells him that you know Lee's not around. You know, like Lee, like you know he died, and you know, he would be, he would let her, let you know, this is after Mills and Simmons is out, she would tell him, you know, he would tell you that she's the kind of person worth saving. And later, um, when um, Noah Jupe, uh, his character's name is Marcus, and when we find that out, we've, when he's stuck in the vault and, you know, he's, he's being deprived of oxygen, you know, because like he, I, I think he accidentally like locked himself in because like there's like this cloth that's where, where the hatchet is and you know and towel ball- as I called <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> a, t- a towel that's like it's there like to make sure the latch doesn't like it, it isn't sealed shut, which unfortunately he accidentally makes it shut and then he's losing oxygen. He and the baby are and he's trying to he's breathing into the baby's mask so it can breathe and but then later on, um, and then later he, he's panicking, you know, he's hyperventilating. And then Emily Blunt, she comes in and he's like, Marcus, Marcus, you have to calm down. You have to, I thought that was a cool way of revealing who these characters are because you never did in the first movie unless you looked at the credits. Yeah, that's,
2: Be fair, that's I actually, did. That's but actually a good right. point. The more uh, organic way than going like, and this is my uh, brother and this is my sister. I kind of, no, 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 don't do that.
3: Yeah. yeah, and Emily Blunt's name is Evelyn, and Millicent's is named Reagan.
2: she's gonna have to exercise these aliens.
3: Yeah, yep.
1: Um,
0: is it is is there an, is there any particular um, particular set piece that, um, like that really stood out Asi- aside aside from the opening, which um, which definitely has very uh, chil- children of men, uh,
2: very heavily children, yeah, of, men children of men definitely yeah i guess i'll mention the, the the feral people with uh scoot mcnary oh that was memorable
3: or however the one where like the the alien um there's one that hides in the because it's established um somewhere the scene with the feral people that they can't swim these aliens and by now that one of them hijacked a little boat which Coasted them to this island that Jaime and Hansu and these other people were on, and that's why they could make as much noise as they wanted to. And then this alien starts attacking, and that that was a good one.
0: Yeah that 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 was cool. I I I think I think that's that's where a lot of a lot of the budget came in because the first the first one was made for roughly seventeen to twenty one million uh they they tripled the budget for this one it got up to like 61 million and i have to assume that um like they 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 did that for a lot of these bigger set pieces which you know it does it does kind of expand the world a bit we get to see we get to see beyond beyond the farm um
3: which, again, I still kind of prefer that one over this one just because I like the tight-knit um, environments that these... I also thought it was cool in the first one how they showed, you know, like, what these people do to avoid making as much, as little noise as possible. Like, I like the little details of um when the kids are playing Monopoly and the hotels are, like, red cotton balls. <laughs> and And, you know, on their... And when they cook dinner, you know, they... It has to be underground. It's it's always salmon. It's never anything crunchy, and they're pulling these plates are actually just leaves. Yeah, de- details like that are, are really cool. And they don't wear shoes. Yep. Yeah, we don't get that much here, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, here here it's 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 less it's less about the like, it's less about those details and more about just get just getting a lay of a lay of the land like we get we get to see we get to see more of the of the town before the attack well it's world building
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: which which makes me really curious like what um what the off is going to be about which by the way is directed will be directed by jeff nichols and i assume i assume michael shannon is going to have if 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 not Ooh. if not like the starring role, he's probably going to be like a supporting player. I'm down for that.
2: Or the or some sort of horrible villain.
0: Or a horrible villain. But but my my point is you can't you can't have a Jeff Nichols movie without Michael Shannon.
2: I mean, yeah, you can't. Those crazy eyes have to be in there somewhere. Exactly.
1: I mean, pre- preferably I would like to have every movie with Michael Shannon, but you know
2: can't have everything. Yes, he needs to be in every movie where every scene it looks like he's about ready to stab someone.
0: Yeah. Even even if he's even if he's playing like like a lawyer or um what's what what's what's a, what's a more mundane profession?
2: Ice cream salesman? Janitor.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Michael Shannon would be great as a uh, as an unhinged uh, janitor.
2: Oh, I I'm thinking of ending things, but it's Michael Shannon now. Mm.
3: The, oh god, like I, I cannot
2: see. Or just him and, like brushing everything, looking at everyone like he's about ready to freaking start like just. Or, or him
3: walking naked in an abandoned high school, following an animated pig. Yes. So you hear that Hollywood cast Michael Shannon and everything. Yeah.
2: And always makes sure he looks like he's about ready to snap. Mm-hmm. Yes,
3: that that. that his eyes are really fall fun. apart. Far apart
2: and also make sure he
1: has constant press interviews where he talks about how much he hates like trump because he did that so much mm-hmm. love him
2: and also have a scene every movie also has a scene at the bar he actually goes to in chicago where it's just him drinking and he was going don't care best photo of him was it was it when uh <clears throat> when the movie he was in that one best picture uh What was it? The the fish movie. We're getting the name.
0: Uh, The Shape Shape of Water.
2: Water. Shape of Water. That was it. It's just him at like this bar where a lot of people in like Chicago's stage, like Steppenwolf Theater, go to. It's just him just watching TV, toasting, going like,
3: "Yay, (laughs)
0: this is a wins Best Picture." (laughs) I love that man. He's he can do no wrong.
2: I love that man. Ever since I first saw him in oh, what was it, Groundhog Day, as like demented guy getting married. (laughs) Bless him. Can't
0: believe you've been around for that for that long.
2: Yeah, that was his first movie. I think he's even uncredited in that movie.
0: Um. So any. So any. Any final thoughts on uh, A Quiet Place Part Two?
2: Um. I'm happy it turned out as well as it did, and that uh, the year long wait didn't make us all turn into freaking like sound monsters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. I. 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 I think. I think after what, f- um, fourteen months of waiting, this. This was. Uh, um I, I i think this was definitely worth the wait
2: yes although i might turn into a sound monster too if they freaking delay the french dispatch one more time
3: if they shouldn't it's already gone october 2022 release and they said last year if the performance of this movie 21 release i mean and and if this at if the box office performance of this movie is any indication i think we're we just might be done with delays uh, movies going straight to streaming like the last one I think Boss Baby 2 which will be shown in theaters and on Peacock simultaneously I think that will be the last one I, mean, I could be totally wrong but I wouldn't be surprised if that turns out to be the case
2: what an honorable last casualty mm-hmm. no,
1: the, the um, last one mm-hmm. for the record I had a billboard for A Quiet Place Part 2 that was by my house for so long after um it was supposed to come out <laughs> oh, wow. It was there for, like, un- I want to say it was there from, like, I want to say February through, like, maybe August or September. It was there for a long time before. Oh, man. That
2: place. reminds me, like, at the place I work, there was, like, a stand full of, like, Dorito chips advertising Wonder Woman 1984 with the
1: original release
2: date for months. Oh, no. Mm.
1: And uh, one of my local theaters um that unfortunately closed technically because um they they went bankrupt is um they that theater had like all posters that was just that were just uh that just came out in march 2020 and that was all they still had it was all like onward the hunt the invisible man and all of those on there it was, it was and and they're still there right now and it's very mm. it's it's very eerie to see
0: mm. yeah my my I think my theater has been, like, has been doing a decent job, like keeping, keeping the posters, like, con- like relatively contemporary. Um, but I, I, I feel awful for, um, for the, like those who who like kept up all their like old, uh, like old posters for, for movies that got delayed or, or have have still yet to be released. Like if, like if any theater has like posters for no time to die or some of the other um, COVID casualties, that's, that's just sad.
3: One thing that gave me pause was when I went to see the new mutants, it was a drive-in, but I had to get my tickets in the auditorium. And among the posters was the uh, Jeremy Camp, I still believe movie.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was one of the posters (laughs) that was at my, that was on my, at the movie theater I just mentioned you. That was one of them. Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
0: and I've I've mentioned before that that was that was the last movie I saw in theaters like before, before the pandemic.
3: Oh, we we talked about it uh, actually. Yeah.
0: Um, but going back to a quiet place too. Um, I think I think both both these movies are, um, if if nothing else, proof positive that John Krasinski has a very, a very deep understanding of not, not, not just horror, like not just horror, um, although he does say that horror is one of like the best storytelling um, genres. But I think he just really has like a keen eye for, um, for like, um, like big um, four quadrant um, entertainment.
3: He like, actually has directed a couple of movies prior to that. He did The Hollers on uh Brave Interviews with Hideous Men. Yeah, hmm. yeah. He's
0: he's he's direct he's he's cut his teeth on a cup on a couple indies, but like um with with the Quiet Place franchise, although although he's definitely standing on the shoulders of like Spielberg, Ridley Scott, James Cameron, um and I I even in in my review for the first movie. I basically described that as like the feature length version of um the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park. Hmm. Um but but like I, I think I think I think after this after this movie it's it is very obvious that Krasinski Krasinski's here for the like for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, he's the
3: guy who saved cinema.
0: That he that he is. Uh, Hayden, any, any always- final thoughts?
1: On that note, there's always next time, Christopher Nolan. You (laughs) try. Yeah, uh,
3: people like to see a movie that's actually comprehensible and actually has heart. Go
2: figure. And whose director will not want to beat you to death with a 70 millimeter widescreen angled camera for not watching it in that aspect ratio.
0: Yep.
2: Uh, I want John Krasinski right now to freaking tweet Christopher Nolan. Say go watch this movie on Netflix when it's up there. See what happens. Uh,
0: so before we get here, a little a little preview of what's of what's coming next. We have, um, we like we'll obviously be talking about the con like The Conjuring, um, The Devil Made Me Do It. We are definitely going to talk about In the Heights, and after that, I think, um, I think the next one is um fast nine peter rabbit Two. that's right we june june is going to be a very busy month so and the hitman's wife's bodyguard see there's a there there there's a lot to look forward to a lot
2: in of the sequels
0: mm-hmm. yeah a lot of sequels um so um before we head out of here uh tyler where can everyone find you online you no
2: know, you can find me at debunk file on youtube i'm always making a new video or thinking of making a new video um you can find me at twitter at, at BioWD, and i'm in quite a few historical discords mostly cynical history but you know just pick a pick i'll probably be there or or just freaking just tweet me or mention on facebook anything about the recent resident evil game and i'll definitely be there
0: and anytime you mention lady d that's that's basically your sure. bad signal
2: i almost had to i almost put on the hat today but remember no no can't do that for this <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hayden, where can we pe- find you online? Yeah. I can best be found on Twitter at the Hayden Wilder, and on Instagram at Hayden Wilder. And Jacob,
3: I'm gonna say, um, Tyler, I really wish people can see the Paige O'Hara um, photos behind you.
2: Oh yes,
3: Oh the the the, the Bell um, still um, still still images. Um, anyway. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at J. O. Crable, K-R-E-H-B-I-E-L. I have my own Letterboxd account, and Demon. Just ignore my Quiet Place to review, please. And I'm also part of the Renegade uh, Pop Culture Facebook group.
0: And you guys can find me on Twitter at Captain K42. Check out my quick thoughts on Letterboxd.com/slash Coach K42. Find me in all the various Facebook groups, just at my name. You can check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. Also look for us on Podchaser. You can listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. You'll occasionally find me like once a month on the PJ Campbell Network on uh, on their Suddenly Soundtracks. I've, re- I've done two so far, one for uh, Metallica's Master of Puppets and the Beatles' Abbey Road. Ooh. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. In Escape, so do we. That'll do it for this installment of Renegade Marquee. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys later. Peace out. See you, folks. Farewell.